shot me and stabbed me and hung me and scalped me and kicked me in the shin. Baby, it's wax that you love me, but it wanes when we're apart. It makes me cry like a baby, baby, and the only tissues I can use are your heart. But there's one thing I can cling to, shows me where you're coming from. There's just one thing makes me know you love me, and that's waxwork.com. Hello, my name is Jordan D. White. Welcome to Cast and Wax. And I am your host. I am alone. I am I am utterly alone in the world right now. I because I am I'm the only one who sees uh, what state we're in, what what a terrible world this is to live in, and how pointless it all is, I think. As far as I can tell, I mean, I, and it's not, I mean, I know you're thinking it's Watchmen. It's not, it's not just Watchmen. I mean, Watchmen was, you know, Watchmen was terrible. So there's that, but that's not it. Um, because now in addition to that, uh, the series finale of Battlestar Galactica, it was just, I don't, it was so, it was, it was just, why did I, I mean, why did I watch the show? Why did I spend four years for that? It just makes it, it makes it all seem so pointless. You know, what, what is the point of art if that is what it's used for? You know, what is the point of human experience? I, it's pointless. Look, forget it. Um, anyway, Rory and Frank and Scape, they're not here right now because, I mean, we're not even supposed to be recording yet, but I don't, you know, I just don't care. I just want to get this stupid thing over with. You know, it's just more art. What is the point? What's the point of it all? How, how is this world even worth living in? How's it, how's it worth looking at and observing and talking about, right? I mean, how is human emotion, what, what's the point of trying to capture them when human emotion is so empty and hollow and, and so rootless and happiness is such a, an illusion and fleeting? I just don't even understand. I don't, I don't understand. The point is. Dad, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? There, are you, are you recording the show? Yes, Gabe, yeah, I'm just, I wanted to, uh, stupid, look, the podcast, and we don't have a lot of time anyway because of all the Scape stories and stuff, and I just want to get it over with. Well, Dad, but uh, you forgot about me and Frank and Roy. No, I just, I don't, Scape, the world is pointless. What is the point of trying to make sense of it, you know? Well, no. Anyway, let's just get this over with. Let's get to the first segment. It's afterwards, afterwards, we're and Frank what are you doing? Dad, that's your favorite song, your actor watch. Well, I wasn't going to do it. I, I meant just let's get to the shows. Dad, you have to watch actor Frank Allen. Frank Allen still works at a drive-thru, and Allen Cable Television starts next week. Who cares? What difference does it make? What's the point? It's going to be another empty, heartless, soulless television network making pointless shows that, that mean nothing. Oh, uh, well, okay. I guess that's the end of actor watch then for today. Yeah, that's the end. Speaking of ends, here's another ending for you. The last episode of season two of Decker and Hayes. Hopefully this won't make you feel like you've wasted your time listening to the show, but if it does, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've cast you into the pit of despair that I've been thrown into. Anyway, let's get right to it. Here's Decker and Hayes. Decker and Hayes, Season 2, Episode 11, A Special Level of Hell, by Jordan D. White. 
It had been an eventful few days in the lives of Macy Hayes and Stella Decker of the Decker and Hayes Detective Agency. Macy had started the week in prison, serving out a murder sentence she'd earned fair and square. Her old CIA partner, Lexi Grayson, had shown up with corrupt agent Matthew Landsberg to get her out of jail in hopes of getting her help to take over the business of Soviet arms dealer Nikolai Ilyich Smerdyakov. Knowing Macy wouldn't go in for the plan, the pair had tortured and brainwashed her into being theirs in more ways than one. Meanwhile, Agent Jason Drake, out to stop both Smerdyakov and Landsberg, had attempted to hire Stella Decker under false pretenses. Before she could get anything serious done with her faux kidnapping case, Stella's ex-girlfriend Tasha had shown up on her door after 15 years missing. Tasha told Stella the Spiders, a parlor town gang, had kept her as a sex slave. Stella went on a killing spree, wiping out the Spiders single-handedly, before turning back to the CIA agent's feud. Since then, Tommy Potsdam, the duo's secretary, surveillance and computer expert Paige Rose, and Stella's brothel-owning mother figure, Mama Wang, all fell victim to Drake and Landsberg's rivalry, before Landsberg himself finally took one in the face. Now Stella, Macy, Drake, and the remains of Stella's former gang are all out to stop Smerdyakov before he can move his nuclear warheads out of Parlor Town. The group returned to the exterior of the warehouse they knew Smerdyakov had been using as his Parlor Town base of operations, right on the edge of South Harbor. Unfortunately, things are never that simple. Please do not embarrass yourselves by trying to move. Screw you, pal! We're- Ricky's head exploded and he fell to the ground. Ricky! Leave him. I assure you that he is dead. Who the hell is that? Smerdyakov, where are you? Do you think I am foolish? There are snipers on every roof around you. I have been watching you for blocks. The only reason you survived first visit to my neighborhood is that you take Grayson Girl away. She is bothersome. Now, do be so kind as to lay weapons down with dead boy and my people will bring you inside. I think we should listen. Why should we trust you? You'll just kill us. Like this? Justine's face grew an extra hole and she joined Ricky on the pavement. Jesus, you sick bastard! Believe me. When I want you dead, you will be. I may kill you once you're inside, but not coming in won't certainly stop me. Drake glanced nervously at the darkened rooftops, seeing nothing. He took out his gun and threw it on Ricky's chest. I really think we should listen. Stella and Macy threw down their guns, and then Stella added a few knives to the pile. Tasha dropped her chain to the ground. A pair of burly men came around the corner and patted the ladies and gentlemen down before knocking twice on a nearby door which opened to let them in. The four were escorted through the dark and dingy building until they came to a large metal door. They knocked on it twice, and after a moment, it slid open. The light that came spilling out blinded them as they were ushered forward. Once their eyes adjusted, they found themselves in a gorgeous 19th-century Tsarist Russian chateau. What the hell? An elaborate crystal chandelier hung over the long dining room table. The places were set with wine glasses and a bottle chilled in the center. At the head sat an old man, wrinkled and gray, but still sturdy enough looking to make someone think twice before rushing him. He smiled and gestured at the chairs around the table. Please to join me, and help yourselves to some of the wine, please. God knows that I have taken too much of it as is. <laughs> Smerdyakov. I am pleased at how you say to meet you, Miss Decker. Are you going to kill us? I don't know. Do you have five hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> I am kidding, of course. The years have treated you well, Miss Hess. Or can I still call you Anya? Let's get to the point here, shall we? 
What do you want? Agent Drake, you are not happy with my hospitality? You spend all this time trying to get me, and now you want things over so quickly? I haven't even met everyone here yet. For instance, who is this young lady here? Leave her out of this. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I bring her into it? I, I did not realize this. Tell me, precious, what is your name? Tasha. Of course. The ex-lover. She's your ex? We'll talk about it. Tell me, Tasha, is it true what they said? Did they tattoo every member's name on your back after their first time with you? Screw you, buddy. <laughs> I can see why they liked you. If I were a younger man... Stella leapt to her feet, but before she could make a step, two large bodyguards grabbed her by the arms and forcibly sat her back down. Get off me! My said get off of me! Oh, dear, dear, dear. It looks like you will have to talk about a few things, won't you? After all, Miss Hess, Stella's never killed 15 men in one night for you, has she? What are you talking about? Keep out of it! Why? Is this none of my business? Oh, wait... It was my business. The spiders were on my payroll. The spiders? What is he talking about? You don't know yet either? Oh my goodness, this is how you say excellent. Go on, tell them about it, go on. I... I killed the spiders. What, all of them? What? Because of me? Look, it's not... Macy, you're the only... Macy, you don't know what they did to her. They had to die. So while I was being used by Landsberg? You never told me you were out of jail. <laughs> this is too much fun. But Drake, you are keeping quiet. Are you not enjoying this show? I'm waiting for you to get to the part about the nuclear weapons, actually. Oh, the nuclear weapons. I shipped them out of Parlor Town yesterday morning. What? You mean this was all for nothing? <laughs> what did you expect? You're an ex-CIA convict and a former gang member. I'm a nuclear arms dealer. You're not exactly in my league. But Agent Hayes was... Was? How many years ago was it, my little Anya? Shove it! <laughs> no, I'm afraid I will not, how you say, shove it. I have made arrangements to move them out as soon as I heard I was being tracked. I don't take risks with my merchandise. How did you know we were coming? <laughs> I was so hoping you would ask me that, Mr. Drake. Thank you. It just so happens that I have a source on the inside. At the CIA? No, at MI6. MI6? What? Wait for it. What? Tommy? Potsherd? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Tommy wasn't. <laughs> Miss Hiss, what was your previous job before meeting Stella and starting this agency? Stella, he's right. I can barely believe it, but... How? Tommy's been working for us since we started the agency. We found him just when we needed to, me having come off of a lucrative career with an independent organization. Cross? I told you. Normally, no one gets out of Cross's business alive. And my six must have thought there was still a connection. Don't be upset. By all accounts, I am told the boy loved you. Too bad about his death, eh? <laughs> so that's it? You get away with everything? And we're left holding the bag? 
That is how you save the gist of it. Ah, but wait. There is one thing that I can give you. Smerdyakov snapped his fingers, and one of the large men brought over a bulging manila envelope. This envelope here will provide you with all of the evidence you need to prove that Agent Lexi Grayson was working with me entire time. Grayson? But she wasn't. No, but these things tend to go better if you have someone to finger. Wouldn't you agree, ladies? Deal. So quick. Excellent. Well then, you two lovely ladies can get back to your business. Mr. Drake can go back to his company as success, at least partially. And little Tasha can see what it's like not being abused daily. Sounds to me like a happy ending. And you? Well, I'm afraid I will have to abandon this lovely building you see around me. Now that it has been compromised. By morning, this will all be a smoldering husk. Not to worry, though, I have more. Still, most of this furniture is originals. Oh, well. And you'll just keep supplying terrorists with arms? Terrorists? I feel insulted, child. Heavens, no, why would I do that? I love this country, America. America makes me rich, man. I make millions of dollars on this wonderful country. So then, who are you selling arms to? <laughs> Your government, of course. What? <laughs> I acquire the weapons through dealers from throughout the world, and I sell them at outrageous profit to your wonderful government, who will spare no expense to keep weapons out of hands of these terrorists that you are referring to. Then why? Drake here was just trying to save his country a few hundred million dollars. Not an ignoble thing, I suppose. Drake? Is this true? I'm not at liberty to. You ass! You're dead! All we've lost! Oh, poo poo and tisk tisk, my children. As much of a pleasure as it is to sit here and watch you scream at each other like play, I do have things to do. We should all be going now. I shall drop you off at your offices. That's not necessary. I insist. Unless you would rather stay here in the chateau while it burns. The four grudgingly went with Smerdyakov and his guards without putting up a fight. They got into his limo, and apart from Smerdyakov's occasional gloating and cackling, they rode in silence. Once at the offices, they got out of the car. Smerdyakov rolled down his windows to say a few parting words. Please do not be upset. Things have all worked out for the best, wouldn't you say? All accounts are equal, and I doubt you will ever hear from me again. Except for one more thing. What's that? I did pay for those spiders, Miss Decker. It would appear, then, that you owe me. The Russian fired one parting shot into Stella's gut, and the limo sped off. The others broke into a frenzy of action. Drake caught Stella as she fell and lowered her onto the ground. Macy fell to her knees and began applying pressure to the wound. Someone call an ambulance, quickly! Tasha pulled out a cell phone she'd gotten from one of Mama's girls and dialed. Soon, Macy and Stella were rushing to the hospital, with Drake promising to bring Tasha shortly. Stella was rushed into the OR, and when Tasha arrived, Macy was still waiting to hear word. Is she? She's still in surgery. I think... 
I think it's serious. They don't know anything yet. They won't... They won't tell me anything. Whenever I ask them, they just... It's okay. It's gonna be okay, I'm sure. Stella's tough. Where's Drake? I don't think he wants to see Stella right now. Scared of her. He said he'd be in touch. Hey, ladies. Julie. Oh, thank God you're here. Yeah, Drake called and let me know. Don't you worry. Stella's been through worse. She'll be fine. I hope so, Jules. Before you know it, you'll both be back in the job with clients galore. Not if you're still on the job, we won't. Like I said, then, you'll have clients galore. What? You're not... Retiring? Yeah, I'm afraid I am. I've seen too many people die tonight. Maybe I'll go back to being in the DA's office and try and put those scumbags behind bars again. But you're staying in Parlor Town, right? What can I say? I love the place, despite its flaws. Excuse me, are you Macy Hayes? What? Yes! Is it about Stella? Is she okay? Miss Decker just came out of surgery. She's doing quite well, all things considered, and we think she's going to pull through. Macy grabbed a hold of the doctor, hugging him tightly. Oh, thank you, thank you! Miss Hayes, hold on a moment. What? What, is there bad news? Mm, well, the bullets... Mm, the bullet struck Miss Decker in the spine. The spine? I am sorry, she's been paralyzed from the waist down. She's never going to walk again. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, the narrator and the doctor were Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tymon, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Julian McGinnis was Rich Bellin, Jason Drake was Elijah Weberhand, Tasha was Guinevere Eckerts, Mary Dukoff was Scott Finbow, Ricky was Jacob Thompson, and Justine was Lisa Pantuso, and the theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Murkowski. Okay, so, I don't know, what's next? Well, usually, that's when there is this dead in history, I think. Right. Alright, here it is, fine. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On March 23rd... Actually, um, I can't think of anything particularly good that happened on March 23rd, so just make sure you brush your teeth regularly. It will keep your teeth nice and healthy. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Good day. Hey, Rory Sinjin. What? Can you break a five? No! But wait, there's more... My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And you're probably wondering why that gentleman asked me for change for a five. He wanted to drink a soda and wanted to buy one from a soda vending machine. So while it was unfortunate for that gentleman, whose name is Rob, that he could not get change for his $5 bill, it meant that he was unable to buy that soda beverage. It was, in fact, the first time in his entire life that he had gone longer than an hour without drinking a soda beverage, and it hit him like a revelation. He thought, my God, I can just drink water from a water fountain that's free, and within a few days, he began to notice the changes in himself. His teeth were no longer rapidly deteriorating. It inspired him to brush his teeth regularly, which he also didn't do normally before that. He decided, maybe I should go to a dentist. Maybe I should get my teeth improved. Maybe my smile matters. And it did. His teeth became white and glorious, and he became the most popular man in the entire universe. Everyone said, I certainly like having Rob around. Why? Because he smiles, and it's a glorious smile that makes me feel as though God is smiling on me himself. And all because Rob decided to take 
take care of his teeth regularly. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? On Cast and Wax. <sighs> brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. I, whatever. I guess. There's nothing better to do. Don't brush my teeth. I don't brush those. I don't brush your teeth. Why don't you... Go back to sleep. What? Dad, don't be mean about my teeth. I'll bite you with them. Oh, fine. I mean, don't... F- not fine, bite me. I guess we should get to the next show. What's the next show? Is it Tractor Fiction? Yeah, it is. Tractor Fiction, which is, you know, just Jack Trick Tracks. You know, and speaking of Jack Tick Tracks, that's what Battlestar Galactica was. It was one four-year-long Jack Tick Tract that if I had known when I started watching it that it was going to be a four-year Jack Tick Tract, I wouldn't have watched it. Because Jack Trick Tracks are fun, but thankfully they don't last for four years. What if they did, though? Well, then they would, then they would be torturous and awful. That's what I'm saying. I don't like them that much. But really, what if they did, though? For four years? That's like a long time. You could you could live inside of them for four years. Yeah, uh, that would be terrible. Look, that, Escape, I don't think you understand the kind of the kind of anguish that that I'm feeling. I don't think you you appreciate it, and I don't I don't know. I don't. I just don't think you get me right now. Well, Dad, my I have anguish because I. <sighs> I can't even remember the last time you gave me more food, okay? I don't even know what it was, Dad. I think I might be starving to death. And I I want you to feed me, please. No, Skate, you're lying. That's not, I'm sure you had it the other day. I didn't. When? What time? When? You just been too sad to feed me, Dad. You've been too sad. Well, I... I don't know. Just eat something. Can't you eat bugs or something? Bugs aren't as good. They don't have the juice. They don't have the juice on them. We'll see. Let's just... It's time for Tractor Fiction. Okay. Good evening and welcome to Tractor Fiction here on WHRW Binghamton. Um, this is Frank Allen and uh, tonight we've got a very special tract. Uh, it's one of those interesting tracts that has a question mark at the end of its name, so it's hard to pronounce. It's called Angels? As in, uh, are they really angels? I guess, I don't know. It's got a question. Angels with a question mark. Okay. So uh, here we go uh, with Angels. Once upon a time, at a church just like the one in the town you live in, a Christian rock group, the Green Angels, Tom, Bobby, Jim, and Don, were loading their equipment into their van, which was emblazoned with their logo. The group's spirits were low, however, as the gig had not exactly gone as they'd expected. We were supposed to get $500 for this gig, and that cheapskate pastor only gave us 200 bucks. We've been had again. Where are all those blessings? I am Keanu Reeves, and I am playing Tom. I'm sick of no money. I can't even pay my rent. I'm starved. Let's go eat. The group hopped in the van and drove off. How come that preacher stopped us on our rock music? We were putting Jesus in it, just like we were all those other most marvelous rock groups who play in churches. Ah, he was just some old fanatic. Ooh, hey, pull over. Let's get some burgers. Excellent! They stopped in a burger joint and continued their bitch session while a mysterious stranger watched them whine. There are Christian rock groups that are most excellent. They're really getting me down, man. Look at us! We're a bunch of losers! There's gotta be a way for us to make it big! There is, you little jerk, but it's gotta be my way! Say, you guys the angels? I saw your van out there and I heard you tonight, and well, let me say that you played pretty good fiddle, son, but (laughs) give me my due. If you could just like, you know, let it go and flow out of you, you guys would just 
totally rocked the charts. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell them, man. Yeah, Morpheus, I, I mean, sir, that preacher was so old-fashioned, he washed us out. Pleased to meet you, boys. Hope you guessed my name. Sorry about that. Classical reference. My name's Siffer. Any of you boys not paid up on your cards? <laughs> Sorry about that. Another classical reference. I I'm not coming up to my place tonight, guys. I'd like to hear you guys really see what you guys can do. You know what I'm talking about? I'll give you $500 a piece just to play a private gig for me. Wow. Let's see the money first. Here it is. Come on, let's go. Where have you been all our lives, Mr. Siffer? The band headed back to Mr. Siffer's place, which was located at the top of a huge skyscraper. The apartment was amazingly posh and blew their socks onto their asses. Man, look at that view of the city. This guy Siffer's loaded. Say, do you guys happen to have an agent? No, we couldn't even afford one. I'll let you guys in a secret. I'm available. But let me ask you something. Are you guys really, you know, Christians? Like, in solid, you know, like solid Christians? Not really solid. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. Don't I know. Anyway, let me ask you, would you guys, you know, die for your beliefs? Psh, I don't think any of us would go that far. Let me tell you, if you go with me as your agent and songwriter, I can make you guys number one. After all, I wrote that Nelly hit hot in here. You know what I'm talking about? It's getting hot in here, so take your clothes off. I wrote that about a place I know. But seriously, I'm not playing any games here. It's got to be done my way. I promise, guys, I will make you rich and famous. You can have anything you want. You want groupies, you want booze, you want drugs, you want money. I'll give you the best of everything, like Tom Petty saying, no more sleazy motels, no 200 motels. You guys are going to go first class, worldwide, international. I know what you're thinking. There's got to be a to this. Yeah, but whatever it is, it'll be worth it. Just sign this contract, my boys. Each one of you and the world is yours on a string. I guarantee it. Like that old country song. I wrote that one too. But there's only one catch to this deal. What is it? I want all of you to sign this contract in your own blood. That's really gross. Who cares? Shut up, Bobby, and sign. Just trust me and sign on the dotted line. Do it. Excellent. Now you're mine. Lock, stock, royalties, publishing rights, album points, and souls. My first name, by the way, boys, is Lewis. You can call me Lou if you like. Souls. <laughs> okay, Lou. Far out! Now listen, I'm going to lay it all out for you guys. You guys are going to serve me. I'm going to show you the big game plan and where you fit into it on the big old chessboard. You must understand that I play it low-key. I am so far into the background, I n almost no one believes I even exist, man. And I like it that way. But my organization actually controls the whole world system. Not like the Masons do or the Illuminati. I control music. Music is the masterpiece. It is the key. I control billions of souls with the music, man. That's how it's coming down. My servants run this worldwide organization they call Killer Rock. You know, in the 50s and 60s, we started it gradually, introducing the new beat into some of the crooners. At first, it was all nice and soft. Then I gave them Bobby Darin, the Beatles, the Archies, Dave Seville, you know, those kind of people. And out of them came the Flower Children, the protesters, Bobby Dylan, Neil Young, Country Joe and the Fish, and a near revolution happened. It was beautiful, I'm telling you. In my music, we premonitioned, we foretold it all, just like today. In the 70s, I gave the world Kiss, Black Sabbath, Motley Crue, and a bunch of others. My music pushes murder, drugs, free sex, suicide, all to destroy country, home, and education. And man, is it doing it. Next, I started invading and distorting country. Have you ever heard of Toby Keith? <laughs> Classical soul and Christian music. What do you think started Christian rock? I did. I have hooked the adults, young people, and children. Everyone loves it because it all sounds the same. Except for Amy Grant, but nobody cares about her. You might as well know right now, boys, that I have wolves in the churches, my wolves in the churches, and you will be part of my pack. Because remember, a friend of the devil is a friend of mine. But we're Christians. Oh, don't give me that testicular greasage. You're no more Christians than Creed. You you guys are bought and paid for. I tell you what to do, so shut up and listen. Since the pastors don't have the guts to keep my music out of the churches, I moved in. Their cop-out and their failure was that as long as it's in their church, they say God will bless it. Oh, but which God? 
I've already blessed it. After all, fire is the devil's only friend. Moving on, though. My heavy metal music has turned millions into rockaholics. They've become zombies. Not like the 60s band, the zombies. Real, living zombies. The music removes love and ushers in lawlessness worldwide. Most young people won't fight for their countries, but they will die for their rock and roll gods. We're in the occult control of it all, my friends. Starting from my church to the throne in Rome, spreading all the way down to the voodoo in the islands, I've got the souls of the whole world dancing to my techno-infused beat. <laughs> Uh, just one question of you guys, though, really. Which one of you is pink? Two months later, Cipher is already making good on his claims. The band is booked in the largest gig of their lives. This is the biggest crowd we've ever played to! I hope we can pull it off! The audience, my boys, is yours, because I have blessed you. My hand is on your hearts and in your heads. Go out there, my friends, and knock them dead. The following program may contain language or material that may be considered offensive. Introducing... The Green Angels! Let's give them a big New York welcome. We strongly urge you to consider whether you or your children should listen. Whoa! Those stupid little jerks have no idea what I've got in plan for them. <laughs> the band took the stage to raucous applause and began playing their all-new rock songs. We're gonna rock, 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 rock with the rock. I love rock! They're the greatest! Yeah! Wow! The greatest! And things began going the angels' way. Lou was right. The world is ours. Girls are throwing themselves at us. This is living, man. We got it made. Requests for concerts are pouring in. The biggest distributor in the U.S. wants to sign up dogs. I mean, the Green Angels. But if there's anything behind the music teaches us, it's that the good times couldn't last forever. Two years later, Bobby introduced the band to his fiancée, Frank. You guys can't marry each other. You'll destroy the Green Angels' whole image. But we're in love. Hey, said Lou. I'm famous now. I'm bigger than you. Shut up. You sound just like John Lennon. I'll have to give you guys a little wedding present. How about some AIDS and a bad solo album? Three months later... Hey, Don. Have you seen Bobby? He's all skin and bones. He looks like death. So he's got AIDS. Big deal. We'll replace him. But he used to be your best friend. So, who needs friends? And soon... At a concert, a huge pulsating mob of fans swarmed the building as the band arrived. They're coming! They're coming! Oh, I love them! Gastrointestinal tsunamis! Look at that mob! But hidden in the crowd was one true Christian. Dear Lord, let me reach at least one of them. Jesus loves you, Tom. God's servant had slipped a chick tract into Tom's pocket. Huh? Out of the way, kid! We love you more than Jesus! On stage that night... Embrace me, love of death! Uh, my heart! I, I can't breathe! Somebody help! Bogus! Hey, what's wrong with Jim? Jim fell to the ground, dead. One week later, Tom was still struggling with the loss, and coincidentally, still wearing the same clothes. This is most not triumphant. Everything's ashes. Bobby died of AIDS, Jim OD'd, and Don is into vampirism. Hey... What's this little book doing in my pocket? I'm scared. Let's see what it says. He had found the chick tract. It was the contract, the one about the farmer who sells his soul to the devil that we did in season two of Tractor Fiction. Much like the great and powerful Oz, he found this tract to be compelling and true. Oh, God. I've been a most great fool. Please save me. Stop reading that stuff and stop even saying that. What the honky-tonk do you think you're doing? Remember, Tom, you are mine. Not anymore, Lucifer, if that is your name. Huh? 
I will no longer be the devil's advocate. I've submitted myself to God, and I'm resisting you in the power Jesus has given me. Besides, hunting demons might resurrect my acting thing. I just found out that when I made Jesus my Lord and Savior, the blood he shed on the cross canceled your contract. No, it didn't, Tom. Haven't you ever heard that Black Sabbath song, Tiffany in Black? That's the truth right there, not this tract! The Lord rebuke thee, Satan. You don't sound anything like Al Pacino anyway. Get thee hence in Jesus' name. Lucifer was blasted and destroyed by the force of God wielded through Tom's words. Ow! Tom gave up his career as a musician and began giving speeches at churches for only a few thousand dollars per day. I learned the hard way that rock music, even much Christian rock, is a powerful demonic force controlled by Satan. To have the strength to resist it, you must, one, die to self by crucifying your old flesh, and two, burn anything you own associated with rock music. Then you'll be set free. Thank God Tom read that tract I gave him. Uh, and that's the end of, um, Angels, the uh, tract about uh, rock music and the group called the Green Angels. All right, as always, we have a uh, debate here uh, for this tract, and of course we've got... Uh, here we go with, uh, here's debater number one. Hello, I'm a lo-fi rock enthusiast. Uh, so what's your name, though? Oh, my name is, um, Builder Bob. Builder Bob. Uh, welcome, Builder Bob. We're glad to have you. Can we uh, fix it? <laughs> here's, uh, debater number two. Hey, I'm Jim. Step right up. Probably a different Jim. Um, I'm a drug addict wino. I used to be, uh, I used to be, uh, you know, kind of a roadie for the bands back in the, uh, Back, back in the uh, the eighties, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, as we all knew already, uh, Jim believes that this tract is one hundred percent true, and Builder Bob back there says this tract is false. I believed that for years, and of course. So, what we would like to do is uh, we'll start as always with the person who says the tract is false. That's uh, Builder Bob. Sure. Well, I don't know. Maybe Satan was a little involved in this. It's hard to gauge whether Satan is present or absent, since he is intangible. However, I followed that group for years. You know, ever since the Angels were just starting to break in on the scene. And early on, they were good. Their first album was great, but they totally sold out. They went to this slick hi-fi production, and before you knew it, everything was bland, and it wasn't about the music anymore. It was just about the groupies and selling records. There are two kinds of groups. They're the ones that make records for themselves, and they're the ones that make, make records to make money. And they became the former. And that, more than Satan, is what destroyed them. But you're saying that doesn't have anything to do with Satan? Necessarily. Not necessarily. No, 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 no. There might be a, you know, they might be correlated casually, but, uh. So Satan didn't invent rock music? Um, maybe he did, but even if he did, it's not relevant. <laughs> Wait, well, but. It's not but, relevant to the angels. But, but that's what we're really talking about here. I mean. Well, I don't believe Satan invented rock music, no. Now, now you're a fan of the angels from back, you said from way back, so you listened to them back when they were a Christian rock band. Yeah, yeah, I got their, uh, got their first, uh, vinyl, uh, seven inch. What was that called? Um,. It was having a rockin' time with the angels. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. It I was believe. a really rockin' record. You got it? I, I, well, I don't have it, but I've heard it. I've heard it. It goes for $500 on eBay now. Wow. All right, uh, here, and uh, so, uh, Jim, why don't you tell us uh, a little about that? Why don't you rebuttal, I should say? I don't know much about listening to the music. Um, I don't know really what vinyls are. I mean, I just like to hang out in the back of the band. You're more room. experienced in uh, lifting just like heavy to hang things. Out. I, yeah, I just like to hang out. 
hang out with the band guys, lift things, carry things around, and do a lot of drugs and, you know, have mad groupies hanging off my arms. But you're saying, now, but you saw that Satan was actually involved in the Green Angels. Or, or in rock music in general. I've seen Satan many times. Now, was he in his traditional red horned guys, or was he like in a suit like this Lou Siffer guy? I don't know. I'm not really sure. But back in the 1960s, I was trying to trying to become a roadie for the Grateful Dead, so I followed like some other really. Well, the Grateful Dead played with Mick Jagger at Altamont, and he dressed up in a red devil suit. You might be confusing it with that. I might. I've, I was probably tripping balls then, so I I couldn't tell you, but I was very sure I was talking to the devil. Very sure that the man I was talking to was Satan. Um, did you get his autograph? I asked him. I actually did. No, actually, no. This was after Altamont. Oh yes, I asked him about Altamont. I only want his autograph. And he said, "Oh, this is. A, I'm sorry. This is an expert. Who, I'm sorry. Who are we speaking to? I am an expert on Satan. He is my lover. I play all my records backwards, and I've never once heard Satan. That is because you have to play them sideways. That's because you've been playing the wrong records, man. You've been playing them backwards. Satan's too <laughs> clever for backwards masking. No, he isn't. No, here we you go. Ever Billy yes, Joel's he is. Exi- no, no. You ever played Billy Joel's Turnstiles album and you play that backwards and he says, any way you slice it, it's baloney, man. It's like when you play forwards, there's a satanic message. That's like reverse subtlety. It's very tricky. I don't think I've introduced myself yet. I've been over to 500 concerts. Wait, let me see my card here for a second. Have you seen the angels? That's the only thing that's relevant here. Shut up. I've been to 500 concerts. Let me pull up my card here and figure out what my name is. Hoodie Blowfish. Have you found my Ah, lover? Here it is. Sugar Magnolia. I've been to 500 concerts. Loverboy, REO Speedwagon, you name them. ACDC, saw them in the Meadowlands, man. Just rocked it, you know? Did you? Okay, and so you're saying, now you're saying they were satanic or were not satanic, these bands you saw? Satan has nothing to do with rock and roll, man. It's all about the music. It's all about just life and partying and greatness, man. You ever listened to like, you know, I'm telling you, man, the Doors didn't have it right. Ario Speedwagon, man, they had it right when they said, Ride in the stone out! Ow! Then where can I find my one... True oh. Satan. Maybe on your breasts, babe, but it ain't in the music. I, I checked hey, there already. Hey, 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 man. Hey, relax. After I think that, you're getting, a, really getting too excited himself. about this. Man. I introduced myself. Satan got nothing about the music, man. It's all about guitars, notes, and just partying, drinking whiskey, and Vikings. It's got a lot of Vikings in it, man. I agree with many of his points, only quieter. Are I think you, you guys are I'm sorry, all I'm half deaf from all the concerts I went to. Like, did you ever sit four rows away from Ted Nugent when he's just blasting away in there, wangles the tango, rocking it out, man? It's not rock and Whoa. roll unless you're standing. Yeah, no, that's why a lot of rock concerts are standing room only. Yeah! Like, you ever see the Ramones, man? I was in there, and they had 700,000 people packed in this tiny okay. room. Actually, the Ramones, that gives us a good point. So, here's the thing. The Ramones, a uh, bunch of them are dead. Right? Yeah! But here's the thing. Now, if this tract is true, I would say it's pretty likely they're all in hell because they made a deal with Devil and they don't appear to have uh, converted back. Oh, I hope so. Joey Ramone is not in hell, man! Joey Ramone is in the world! He he atoned for his sins, man! He died for us by doing What a Wonderful World! That old Louis Armstrong song, man! I'm telling you, Joey Ramone is an angel of God! Doing that song is what killed him? 
No, man, that's what saved him. That's like what washed away his sins, man. Because it wasn't rock music. Because it was, no, it was a holy song. It was all about God and all about how beautiful life is. Sing can't touch the laughter of little children, except maybe Mongolia where they don't listen to rock and music. Okay. Okay, Jim, Jim. So you would say, though, that Joey Ramone is definitely in hell, though, right? Speak Joey up, Ramone, Joey Ramone, uh, I don't know, man. I've been some pretty strange places. Last time I saw Jim, uh, it was... Uh, no, you, no, you're Jim. No. Who are we talking about? No, we're talking about... <laughs> Joey Ramone. Joey Ramone. Uh, Do you need a name I'm sorry, I'm getting senile here. Okay. All right. So, so is he in hell, though? I don't think anyone goes to hell. Wait, hold on. I think they all go to... Hold on. I think we all go to the great gig in the sky, man. Pink Floyd yeah. was right, man. Wait. Yeah, this really this really excited Wait, guys. hold on, hold on. But you said this track was true. Okay. I suppose this makes me the winner. Well, not. I mean, not yet. I still have to decide. I'm sorry. Bear with me here. I've done way too many drugs in my life. But you're off them now, right? I'm an acid casualty, actually. I'm actually... This is a facilitated community communicator attached to my head oh yes you're like messed up dude you need some good old quiet riot bang your head metal <laughs> health will drive you mad perhaps, perhaps i can aid the situation please please do love me Oh, my yeah. good. I, wait, hold on, hold on. I thought. The, hold on, hold on. What's going on over there? I thought you were Satan's lover. This wait, is no, actually on. Satan. No, that's not Satan. That's a rock but music he enthusiast. Looks like, he looks like Satan. I listened Satan. to some Tractor Fiction bootlegs in my time, and this is sexier than anything I've seen in Tractor rock, Fiction before. Yeah, and rock and roll radio. And Let's go. Anyhow, my point remains the shut same. Shut up for a minute. Okay, hold on. Hold on. No. no. As you were saying. Satan is not always present, so I've had a good deal of time to run around here in hell with the hellfire and find a number of extra Satans, like Joey Ramone, who is in fact in hell. He is I in think hell. he's over there right now. Wait, hold on. You're in hell? This is What about hell. Johnny Ramone? Is, is this not hell? No, Have this I is taken the recording wrong turn? studio. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm terrible. Sorry. This is I should, the WHRW I should not studios. be here. Oh, who's start playing oh. some fog hat? This is really going to be hell. Well, who all right, are you? Who just jumped me that. So let's just end this, this all right, all right, all right, hold talk on. and play now, some fog hat. Oh. Now, uh, Woo! That's on classic rock like 23 hours a day. So right. Builder, Builder Bob. All right, hold on. I've now. never been so humiliated in my life. Builder Bob, you get Yo. to, uh, Builder Bob, you get to have your closing argument. All right, all right, all right. Well, first of all, I've kept a, um, continuous argument i've a whole time and this guy forgot his name at several points so yeah i i'm pointing to myself arrogantly for those of you listening at home but he, he is it's, he's not lying <laughs> but but and that point uh that point was that this band fell apart due to their own laziness and forgetting their principles and they deserve to be in hell but not not because they had anything to do with satan it's because they sold out and, uh, Jim, your closing arguments. I think all bands sell out in the end, but that's the best part. Think of what the man gives you, you know? Let's well, say, I mean, it's right here in the script. It's, uh... The dr- drugs and booze and groupies. Drugs that's and not- booze and, you know, 72 groupies and all that. that that's the best part. I like it when they hmm. sell out, though. Because they shared it with you. They share it with... Of course they share it with us. And I share it with my groupies, my 72 groupies. All right, well, let's, uh, let's find out who exactly won this debate. All right. Oh my, it's <laughs> quite a surprise. 
but it turns out selling out is good. Uh, oh. Jim, Jim here was 100% ah, right. That's it. I'm just going to start what worshiping rip, Satan man. right now. That's it. Bands are better. To my place. I am I'm satisfied. I'm putting on Led Zeppelin forever, man. Well, Learn to sell oh. your souls, children. Let's go. All right. Oh, let's go. Color me surprised. I guess I'm going to have to well, start brushing up on my Jack Chick. Absolutely. It turns out, yeah, it turns out that Satan really did uh, create rock music. Uh, and uh, selling out is good. It helps bands, apparently. It's better for the bands. And it's especially better for the groupies. I'm uh, not groupies. I'm sorry. The roadies. The roadies. The roadies are much, they get better uh, benefits when the when the groups sell out. So, um, get benefits. Absolutely. So, uh, thank you for listening to Tractor Fiction. Uh, this is Jack. Uh, I almost said I was Jack Chick. That would have been a lie. This is Frank Allen. Signing off. Bye-bye. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Anna Call, Scott Finbo, Dylan Lanehart, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Sam Thomason, Jacob Thompson, Angela Tymon, Elijah Weberhan, and me, Jordan D. White. Um, and now, like, what was going to be the triumphant, spectacularly great part of the show was going to be this part, the Watchmen part, where Escape is going to redeem Watchmen. And I was really excited for it because, you know, you know how it is. Because I'm really brilliant! Well, because... It, because Watchmen, anyway. But now it's like, it's just, I don't even know what the point is. Well, the point is that I'm brilliant, Dad. I'm a master. Storyteller. Oh, uh, fine. Then, well, I guess. Well, can we just get to it, Dad? All right, right. Here it is. Watchmen, enjoy. If you possibly can enjoy anything anymore. Scabby Stories. From a cat and a dog. Hello and welcome to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan D. White, and today we are going to be redeeming a literary masterpiece because there was a terrible, awful movie made about it, based on it, whatever. The point is, we're going to show them how it's done, and I read it to my cat, and he's going to adapt it for you tonight. So, without further ado, Scape is going to take over. Dad, you didn't introduce their guest. Oh, right, right, yes, that is correct. Uh, listening to this harrowing tale that you will hear shortly is Miss Macy Hayes. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Not wonderful. Well, me neither, because there was a, a cinematic travesty committed based on the story you're about to hear. Yes, um, that's definitely much more important than my girlfriend getting shot in the spine and being crippled for life. Uh, so I'm very happy to be listening. Well, that sounds really sad as well. I just, I didn't know her. But look, the point is, here we're going to go on. Escape, you want to take over? Okay. Uh, I'm going to take over now. Tonight, I, I will, first of all, I should disclaim that it's not not really a traditional scary story, but I will, you know, I will scare it up a little bit. No, Scape, no, don't, just do it straight, dude, just do the story. I read you the whole stupid story, just do the story. All right, all right, I'll do the story, all right, I'm just saying, because Scapey Stories doesn't say the word scary in it, but it's implied. Okay, tonight's story is called Watchmen by Aaron Moore and Dave Gibbons. Okay, so like, once upon a time, there was a guy uh, who was like a superhero, and his name was Rorschach, okay? And he was like, oh, uh, there's another guy who got killed, and his name is the Comedian. <laughs> and he was a superhero once upon a time as well. <laughs> so Rorschach was like, uh, I'm going to investigate this murder, but I 
think because Comedian was a superhero once like me, maybe somebody's trying to kill superheroes. Hmm, so, what do I do? Well, alright, well first he went to his ex-friend, Dan, who used to be a superhero, and he was Wait, like... Why, why are all these people, why did they used to be superheroes? Well, that's funny that you mention it, because Rorschach was like, hey, uh, somebody's trying to kill people who are superheroes or used to be superheroes like you, Dan, and Dan was like, oh, you know I'm not a superhero because of the government said, no, you can't. <laughs> and Rorschach was like, okay, if you're a wuss, but anyway, there's a killer. So, Scabie, but why was he trying to warn somebody he wasn't even friends with anymore? Well, they were friends when they were both superheroes together. They were like super friends. And now Rorschach thinks he's a wuss. Well, yeah, because he's not superhero anymore. He just retires. But, I what? He might still be tough. You know, just because people aren't as tough as other people doesn't make them wusses. No, he's not tough. He was a wuss. So after Rorschach warned him, Rorschach left, and Dan was like, Oh, my, 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 I used to be a superhero. I suck. So, that's how you know. He sucks. Then Rorschach was like, All right, I'll go see somebody else. And he goes to see Adrian, who's rich. Okay. That's terrifying. Well, I'm not... Was that the scary part? Well, I mean, no. I was kind of making fun of you. But, you know, honestly, I guess right now it, it kind of is terrifying when uh, there are rich people. Well, this isn't... This doesn't take place now. It takes place a long time ago. Like, in... The, a long time ago time. So, anyway, Adrian is rich, and he's living at the top of a building, a really tall building, and Rorschach's like, hey, somebody's trying to kill superheroes, maybe, so... What was he doing at the top of a tall building? Was he going to jump off? No, he lives there! On the roof? In, inside the building, fool. So he's, like, rich. Anyway, rich. And he used to be a superhero, too. And so Rorschach's like, oh, somebody's killing superheroes, and he's like, well, uh, you know I'm not a superhero, and not because the government said, because I retired earlier, because I felt like it, so, <laughs> and Rorschach was like, whatever, fine, I told you, so bye, and so then Rorschach was like, I'm going to tell some more people, so then he went to the, the government place, where the government keeps things and people, and he met a, a giant blue guy, whose name is Dr. Manhattan, a giant what? A giant blue guy. He was blue and naked. A naked beluga? Blue. The color. Reggie Biff. Blue. And so he was like, oh, there's a giant blue guy, and there was a girl who sometimes dresses like in not arrived clothes. And he was like, hey, you guys both used to be superheroes, so somebody's trying to kill superheroes, I think. We should watch out. And they were like, whatever, go away. And they used superpowers, okay, to make Rorschach go away, because... The real guy had superpowers because he worked for the government. The government gave him superpowers? Uh, well, I'll tell you his secret origin in a little bit, maybe. But he gets to keep them because he's, see, he works for the government. Government said no superheroes, except if you work for me. Get it? Sure. Okay, let me tell you. We're taking too long because this has got a really long story and we're only in chapter one so far. Okay. Okay, uh, it just seems like this entire story is like, okay, there's a dude and, uh, something happened. And so he's going to go tell this guy and then, okay, and then he tells this other guy and then he tells this other guy. It's not really my fault that it's taking so long. It's a murder mystery, okay? Obviously, you don't understand murder mysteries, but that's what this is. A guy was murdered and Rorschach is solving it. Look, Scape, you were on the radio with me. Of all people, you should, I know all about murder mysteries. I solve them every day. It's my job. Well, then let's see if you could solve this one because uh, there's a lot left. Okay, here we go. Ready? 
ready? Ready. Okay, the girl who does a weird ride of pros all the time, she was dating the guy who was blue. And she was, like, named Rory. I'm sorry, Skip, I have to interrupt. D- can we get, like, can they have names? I just gave you her names, Rory! Before that, there's the girl who doesn't wear much clothing and the blue guy. The girl who doesn't wear much clothing is Rory. Thank you, and? Blue guy's Dr. Manhattan, I already told you. Oh, right, right, the blue guy. Blue guy! Got it. So then Rory was like, uh, I'm gonna go out and say hi to, uh, Dan, because Rorschach mentioned Dan, I didn't tell you, but he did. And so she goes out to hang out with Dan, and she's like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, good, and he's like, all right, good enough, that's enough. Does Lori have another name we can use? Because it keeps sounding like you're saying Rory. So I keep thinking Rory Sinjin. Well, that's your problem. You can imagine Rory Sinjin if you want. It's Rory! Anyway, so she goes out with Dan to say hello, and then a little while later, like the next day or something, it's time for the funeral of the comedian, okay? Ready? <laughs> I said funeral. Oh. Okay, I gotta, I gotta go through this real fast. So during the funeral, uh, Yori goes to visit her, her mom, and her mom is like, oh, the comedian, uh, yeah, he, t- he tried to rape me one time. And then, during the funeral, Adrian is like, oh, the comedian, uh, one time he was like, it's stupid trying to work as superheroes, we can't do anything. And during the funeral, Dr. Manhattan was like, oh, I remember one time he killed some girl who was pregnant with his baby, and I was like, I could've stopped him, but I didn't, so. Then Dan was like, oh, the comedian, well, one time there was a riot, and he was right kicking butt. And then Rorschach was like, uh, I'm not going to the funeral, but I tracked down a guy who did go to the funeral, and it was one of the villains that we used to fight. He breaks into the villain's house, and he's like, I'm gonna kick your butt, villain. And the villain's like, oh, I, I'm retired. And one time, the comedian came to my house last week, and he was like, oh no, terrible things, terrible things, I know too much, oh no. And that's that. And Rorschach was like, what did he say? And, I, and then the villain was like, I don't know, I have cancer, read me around. So then, uh, Lori and Dr. Manhattan, we're gonna be doing it. And, um, he was like, hey, you wanna do it? But she found out that he was really working in the lab at the exact same time with, like, magic. Can you explain that a little more? He Was he doing it or in the lab? Uh, it was magic. He was both. Okay. <laughs> both at the same time. So he can split in two? Uh, he could split in, like, three. Were they, like, little midgets? No. It, it was, like, super power. So then she got mad and she was like, forget it. I'm leaving. I don't want to do it anymore. So she left and she went to visit Dan and she was like, Dan, I left my boyfriend. Do you want to hmm, hang out? And he was like, okay, you're pretty. So they were hanging out and talking about stuff. Well, meanwhile, Dr. Manhattan was like, I've got to go on TV for an interview. And so the interview was like... Hey, Dr. Manhattan, how come you make everybody have cancer? And he was like, what? I don't. And they were like, yeah, here's this guy with cancer and this girl with cancer because they, they knew you, including the villain we talked about earlier. And he was like, what? I didn't know, but whatever. And everybody started freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, cancer. And he was like, leave me alone. And he disappeared. And, and so he went to Mars. Are you following all of this? Because it's real complicated from here on. Uh, I, no, I think so. I've been taking notes. We've got, uh, Someone killing superheroes, check. Uh, Lori and Dr. Manhattan doing it, but then not doing it. And Lori doing it with Dan, check. No, she didn't do it with Dan yet, but she was, like, just hanging out. Yeah, but, I mean, she's gonna do it with Right? Okay, so check. Dr. Manhattan, in an interview, finds out he gives everybody cancer, gets freaked out, and apparently can disappear to Mars. 
Check. And don't forget all the other stuff I said, but I don't want to have time to say it again. Okay, so Dr. Manhattan goes to Mars, and he's like, oh, I remember a lot of stuff, because my brain is, like, crazy super, and it remembers the past and the future at the same time, right, like, right now, okay? Who is he talking to on Mars? He's not talking, he's thinking, and he's thinking, ah, oh, right now, it's, like, exactly the moment when I got my powers in a million years ago, and, like, dropping a picture and stuff from the other times, I can remember it all right now, okay? So, here's what he remembers, right? Uh, he was a scientist, okay? But he wasn't blue at all. And then he got caught in a machine that made him, like, explode. But then he unexploded with superpowers that he had now, okay? He unexploded? Yeah, yeah. He, like, brought his body back together, right? Right, like that. Right, and superpowers. And now he's blue. And now he's like, you could call me Dr. Manhattan and I will have a circle on my head and I will remember things all at the same time. So when he got back, he was already like, oh, Larry and I were doing it. And then we stopped and I was in the lab. Blah, 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 blah. Because he already remembered the future. And he remembers like, oh, I won the Vietnam War, and I was, like, America's superest super person forever, and everybody was, like, we're scared of America now. Hold on. You said this was taking place a really long time ago. Yeah, like, more time ago than I was alive. I see. So we're talking, like, 70s, 80s era. Um, like, like 80s, I think. But that's the wrong time. Sure. So then, he's like, hey, you know what I don't have on Mars yet is a castle, and he makes one out of Mars. He makes the planet into a castle? He makes a part of it into a castle. So, meanwhile, while there's a castle on Mars, Rorschach is like, I'm gonna solve it, I'm gonna solve it, okay? The castle? No, the mystery. Rorschach is going to solve the mystery. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, Varen, do you know anything about this? And the Varen's like, no. Well, that's why he's having trouble. You're not supposed to ask the villain directly yet. You need to do a little research, talk to their friends, talk to the people who know them. I mean, he's not going to get anything done that way. Well, he already did the part where he was like, I'm going to break somebody's bones if they don't tell me. And uh, it didn't work. Tell me about it. Stella does that all the time and it never works the first time. So then, uh, Dan and he's hanging out with Rory and they're like, Hey, you're, let's talk about it. How do you feel? Whatever. And then Adrian is like walking around and somebody's like, I'll kill you, Adrian. And Adrian's like, oh yeah, I'll kick you in the butt. And he's kicking his butt. And he's getting kicked. And then Adrian's like, oh crap, he's going to kill himself because he's ashamed. Don't you kill yourself. And then he's like, oh, he killed himself. So we'll never know. Who, who hired him? Oh, well. So, meanwhile, there's all sorts of stuff going on, like, a kid is reading a comic book, and some cops are doing their jobs. And, like, Dan and Rory are, like, fierty, fierty. Farty, farty? I said, fierty, fierty. So, then Rorschach was like, okay, uh, you know what, uh, I didn't want to talk to the villain last time, but I'll come talk to him again. Like you said, because you said the first time doesn't work. So, he's like, all right, I'll try again. And when he got there, he's like, Hey, Varen. Oh, crap! Somebody shot the Varen in the head. And the cops are like, Rorschach, come out! You killed the Varen, we know it! And Rorschach's like, oh, no, I don't wanna. So then they're like, we will fight you! And they fight. Rorschach's like, hacha, hacha! And then they, the cops are like, they catch Rorschach, okay? And they're like, we take off your superhero mask, Rorschach. And he's like, no! Don't do it! 
So then Rorschach goes to jail, and there's, like, a psychologist who's like, what do you see on the Rorschach, Rorschach? Ha ha. And he's like, I'm not telling. Mm-hmm. But eventually he does tell, and he's like, what I see is a dog. Yay! Because I killed it because uh, it ate a girl, so that's good to kill it. And the, the psychiatrist is like, yeah, that's okay. And meanwhile, okay, uh, Lori and Dan are still flirting, flirting, and she's like, hey, what is all your superhero gadgets doing? He's like, I don't use them anymore. And she's like, oh, come on. Show me all the buttons. And he's like, okay, I'll show you the buttons. And so then she's like, okay, like you best, okay? Spoiler. She's like, okay, I really do want to do it with you, Dan. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I don't, I don't think I would want to right now. But maybe later. And so then he has a weird freaky dream about her where they're like doing it and pretending they're superheroes. And so then he's like, hey, you know what would make me really want to do it right now? And she's like, what? And he's like, what if we were really superheroes again for real? And so they put on the superhero stuff and they're like, all right, let's fly in the super ship. And he's like, oh, that's fun. And then they're like, wait, we saved a bunch of people from a fire. Let's do it. Scheme, forgive me if I sound critical, but this story isn't scary at all yet. Okay, well, first of all, let me tell you something about it. At the same time as all the stuff is going on that I'm telling you about, uh, Russia wants to blow up the United States. Okay. With a bomb. Been there, done that. Well, they're serious this time. Okay, and Dr. Manhattan was like, you can't, but then, like I said, Dr. Manhattan is on Mars. So they're like, oh, maybe we will blow up America. Wait, Scape, if I recall from the podcast, you don't know what Mexico is, which is a country very close to us, but you seem to know all about Russia and the Cold War. I don't know what a Cold War is, but Russia is a character in this book, like Dr. Manhattan. It's a fiction book, okay? So I don't see what the problem is. No problem. So then, uh, anyway, people hear about... Ne- Dan and Rory being superheroes and they're like, superheroes suck and that's against the law, so they kill an old man. And meanwhile, Dan is like, hey, uh, that was some good doing it that we did. Why don't we do some things where we save Rorschach from the prison, okay? And she's like, okay. And meanwhile, in the prison, Rorschach is like, I will kill the villains who are in the prison because I don't like villains. Ha! And so he's he's doing it. He's killing villains. And meanwhile, there's some people who are like, hey, did you know about that kidnapped, uh, genetic engineer and writer and science fiction person and artist and missing people who are important and could work together on a giant crazy squid raider. A giant crazy squid raider? I said raider. Like raider in the story. But that's hypothetical. Point is, Dan and Rory are like, okay, here we go, breaking them out of jail. And uh, meanwhile, he's like killed everybody in the jail. And so they save him and they're like, come on, let's go. And he's like, okay. And then when they all get home, uh, Dr. Manhattan is there and he's like, hey, Rory, you want to go to Mars? She's like, all right, I guess. And Dan is like, oh, that's sad, but okay. Uh, me and Rorschach are going to go solve the crime while they go do something else wherever they go on Mars, I guess. And so they're like beating people up. Who's the villain? Behind it all, they say. But nobody will tell. And they're like, I think it's somebody from a company of some sort. It always is. And then on Mars, Lori's like, I can't breathe. And he's like, oh, sorry, here you go. Breathe. And, and he's like, so whatever you think, I know all time at the same time, so I know what's gonna happen, but I don't know what's gonna happen right now. Uh, in the bigger sense, because of like something, but maybe it means the world's gonna blow up. I don't know. And Rory's like, well, I hope not, but okay. So then he's like, oh, guess what? I 
can make this castle on Mars fly around Mars because it's superhero power. And meanwhile, they're talking, but she is like spacing out and thinking about her past. And she's like, I remember when my dad was like, I'm not your dad. And then uh, later, she was like, I remember when I met the comedian and he was like, hi, how are you doing? And I was like, you raped my mom, Poopo. And he was like, I already did it one time, though. So, so then Dr. Manhattan's like, hey, Rory, how come you don't see the big picture? Okay. And she's like, what big picture? And he's like, you know the secret of your life. And she's like, uh, let me think about it. Oh, my God. The comedian is my dad. Because, right, my mom was having sex with him on a regular basis or something. I don't know. That's weird. And she gets really mad and she throws a bottle and it destroys the entire flying castle on Mars. And Dr. Manhattan's like, okay, tell you what, I'll save Earth. Let's go! And they, they go to teleport to Earth. But, <laughs> meanwhile, the president is like, stuff's going on, I don't like it, they're gonna blow up America. And Rorschach and, and Night Owl are like, let's solve this crime scheme. Who's Night Owl? Oh, um, that's what the is called when he's pretending he's a superhero. That would have been helpful to know. It's no big deal. Just call him Dan. It's fine. Point is, they're like, let's solve the crime. Come on. And like I said, they're trying to figure it out. And they're like, I don't know. So they say, well, let's go talk to Adrian about it. Maybe he knows. And they go to Adrian's office and he's he's not there. He's watching TV in the snow. In the snow? Well, it's a place that it's snowy, but he's in a building. I mean, come on. But he's watching like 50 TVs. Okay. So, they're like, where is he? How come he's not in his office? Well, let's look around, because we're nosy. Hey, wait a minute, uh, they said. We just noticed he's the one who did it. He's the bad guy. They just noticed that he was a murderer when he wasn't even there? Because they were looking for his stuff. And they found what? A note that said I killed all those people? Love, Adrian? No, I don't think that was what it was. It was on a computer, okay? And it was like, computer, computer. Well, that makes vastly much more sense. Remember I said the bad guys were like, a company did it. Yes. Well, they were like, oh, it was his company, okay? Much better. And so, he did it. He killed a comedian. And so they're like, all right, we better fly to the snow and find him. So they do, in the ship. They're like, flying through the snow. And meanwhile, Adrian's like, I will kill all my servants, too. <laughs> and so finally, Rorschach and Dan get to the snow place, and they're like, let us in. And he's like, okay, I'm watching a run of TVs. So they're like, Adrian, we know that you killed the comedian. So what's up with that? And um, how come somebody tried to kill you? What was that all about? And he was like, yeah, I killed the comedian because he was onto my secret plan. And then I pretended to have somebody kill me. I remember when I said he was going to kill himself? Well, he wasn't, but I killed him. <laughs> so I'm genius. And so they're like, hey, what's the, so what's the big idea? Why did you kill the comedian? And then he's like, all right, I'll tell you. Here's what it is. I kidnapped, like, a, a bioscientist and, like, a writer and a sci-fi writer and an artist and a bunch of people who could make a giant squid for me. And um, and they were like, why? And he was like, well, uh, they were make a giant squid for me because I have a super teleporter in the middle of the city and I'm going to teleport a giant squid. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not done. And they're like, why did you want to teleport giant squid? And he was like, well, because do you remember Russia wants to kill America? And they were like, so what about 
the giant squid. I'm, and Adrian was like, well, giant squid is very scary to Russia as well. And if everybody sees a giant squid that teleports into America, they'll be like, we better watch out for teleported giant squids. And they were all joined together to, like, try to stop giant squids from teleporting. The point is, they won't know it's me. I, it's going to be a secret. Everybody will think giant squids are attacking. And Rorschach and Dan are like, oh, all right, well, we're going to stop you. And he was like, ah, it's too late. I already killed everybody. So, ma, ma, ma. There's already a giant squid in the middle of the city and people are dead. <laughs> is it so giant that it actually lands on people and kills them? No, it teleports in. And, like, then it uses super teleporting giant squid telepathy to kill and explode everybody's brains. And it's dead because it's not really, it's not really alive, okay? It was fake. Wait, either it teleported in and exploded everybody's brain, or it's fake. No, he teleported it in. Adrian did it because he kidnapped people who figured it out how to do it. And then he killed them all. So they're really dead. Which, which people? <sighs> he really killed all the people who made the giant squid. And he really killed all the people in the middle of the city. Including, okay, including uh, the guy who was reading the comic book. Escape, I need, I need to point out that the story would have been much scarier if we had all been anticipating not just a giant crazy squid raider, but a giant crazy squid that will land in the middle of the city and kill everyone. Oh, and do you remember when I said uh, Rorschach was in jail and he had a, a psychiatrist? I do. He was killed by the giant squid! Poor guy. So, okay, ready? I'm ready. Um, what happens is then Dr. Manhattan and Rory are like, oh, here we are in the middle of the city. Oh, everybody's dead. Oh, that's gross. Puke, puke, puke. Dr. Manhattan says Rory, why did we... <laughs> Get here after everybody's dead. You're going to save everybody. And he was like, oh, something's messing me up. It's like uh, something. Something with science is messing me up. And so back in the snow place inside the building, Dan and Rorschach are like, you're a bad guy, Adrian. And Adrian's like, no, because I saved the world because Russia is going to be like nice now. Duh. So you can't tell anybody what happened because you were screwed up. And so then Dr. Manhattan and Rory show up in the place with the snow and I'm like, Adrian, we know you did it too, because we've just figured it out. I don't know. Don't worry about it. And so, Adrian's like, oh yeah, Dr. Manhattan, well, what if you stood over there? And he was like, oh, right here? And Adrian's like, supremacine, go! And he, like, uh, re-explodes Dr. Manhattan and also his cat. That's a sad part, but Dr. Manhattan explodes again. And then Rory's like, hey, you don't explode Dr. Manhattan, I will shoot you. And he's like, go ahead. I will catch the bullet. And he does. And he says, I'll kick your butt now because I think I'm good even though you guys all think I'm bad because I killed a lot of people. But, whatever. And then Dr. Manhattan comes back and he's like, uh, don't you remember I know how to unexplode? So, exploding me is not such a good plan after all. And then Adrian's like, okay, listen, Dr. Manhattan, listen. I know you're upset, but watch the TVs. And then on the TVs, everybody's like, we're certainly not going to blow up the planet now for sure. Because there was giant squid, so pretty explanatory. 
And Adrian's like, yes, awesome. And then everybody's just kind of like, oh, so uh, what do we do? And uh, Adrian's like, well, I'll tell you what, uh, nothing, because I win. And they're like, oh, well, I guess. And so Rorschach's like, guess again, I'm going to go tell everybody on you. Huh? And they're like, don't do it. And he's like, I'm going to. And so he leaves, and Dr. Manhattan goes after him, and he's like, uh, Rorschach, you can't tell, because uh, then they will blow up the planet. And Rorschach's like, so kill me. And he's like, okay. And he kills him. And meanwhile, Dan and Rory are doing it again. Man, they cannot control themselves, can they? No! Uh, they're like, ridiculous. And John, and Dr. Manhattan comes back and he's like, oh, they're doing it again. Well, I'm out of here. And he's gonna go and leave right then. And Adrian's like, so, uh, I'm pretty awesome. And I won. And Dr. Manhattan's like, whatever, I'm leaving. And you like that also. And so, uh, a while later, Dan and Rory are like boyfriend and girlfriend, but they both dyed their hair blonde. Okay. And they're visiting Rory's mom and they're like, hey, we're happy now. And we're fine with everybody dying, so. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, me too, but I missed a comedian because he only raped me one time. What? Are, are you sure you understood that quite right, Skate? Well, well, no, I mean, like, only one time was when he was trying to rape her, right? But then, later, they did it for fun. I guess that's a little better. So, then, finally, uh, somebody was like, hey, I gotta make a newspaper, which I put in. And somebody was like, whatever you want. And he was like, well, maybe I'll put in the part where Rorschach says it was all fake and Adrian did it. The end. Um, hey, Scape, might we have missed a part where the newspaper knew what Rorschach said? Because otherwise that ending makes no sense. No, they didn't know. Not yet. Maybe. I see. Because he wrote it down in a book. Duh. I, no, not duh. You missed that part. You didn't say it. I didn't miss it. You didn't say it. Well, okay, look. Remember when Rorschach was doing stuff? For the whole story? Yeah. He was writing it down, too. And? And he was also doing it. But now he's dead. So how does anyone know he? He wrote it. He wrote it on a book. The book didn't die. The book is still sitting there around. Where? Well, obviously, at the newspaper. Duh. Okay, I'm not even gonna... I'm just gonna let that one go. Good story. Thank you. I think I might have left out some stuff. Duh. No, well, look, uh, whatever we missed, we missed, um, but I guess all in all, that was a pretty good story. I'm not, what would you, I know you have a scary moral, Scape, so what would you say the scary moral is of this story? That is a good question, my friend. <laughs> but the scary moral is, giant squids will kill you! Scape, don't you think that there's something really interesting to be said about people being superheroes also potentially being supervillains? Or maybe even that sometimes we have to to do some terrible things to achieve the greater good? Well, you would say that you're right to shoot people. But, no, it's about giant squids. Did you not hear, uh, maybe I didn't describe it enough. There was a giant squid, okay? And it appears in the middle of the city, and, like, a lot of people died. And there was blood all over. And the remember, I said it was a comic book, and somebody was reading a comic book. They're dead now because of a squid. Okay, well, I, I mean, I have two things in mind. One is that the squid wasn't even actually a very large part of the story as you told it. You were like, uh, later there's going to be a squid, so I'm just warning you. And then you were like, the plot of the story just takes this twist, and he teleported in a giant squid. But there was no real buildup. It didn't sound scary until you reminded 
reminded us that he kills everybody by exploding brains. Not to mention, it is a comic book, and there probably aren't giant squids that will kill us. But there is a whole interesting thing going on about evil and good kind of converging in the same people. Okay, you didn't get it. There was a build-up, because I was like, they're kidnapping people that could possibly do a lot of things, like, for instance, totally hypothetical build a giant squid. Okay, so that's a build-up. I was I was seeding it in the story so that when it happens at the end, you're not like, hey, where'd that giant squid come from? You're like, oh, that's what all those people were doing, building a giant squid. Second of all, it was scary. And third of all, you're like, it's only a comic book, but somebody could make a giant squid, just like in the comic book. The giant squid's not real, but somebody makes it and kills people. And that could happen. Killing happens in real life. So it is. Sure, but getting caught in a machine exploding, rebuilding yourself, and being able to split into many different people and manipulate everyone around you doesn't really happen in real life. Yet. Touche. Okay, look, if you don't write that scary moral, I could give you a second one. I'm not sure that the other one would be any better, but go ahead. Russia wants to blow you up right now. You know what? I'm 100% on board with that one. Probably true. Okay, then that's what it is. Also, but the squid thing is true too. Look, squids can kill, so don't turn your back on them. Psychic backlash explode your brains. Okay. So that's the story of the Watchmen. And, um, oh, I forgot one Everything, which is the, the why they called it the Watchmen. And what was that? Doctor Manhattan, his father built a watch. Somehow, I feel like we're missing more to that as well. No, he was like, I build watches for living. Mm. Okay. All right. So, Dad, did I do a good job? Well, it was it was better than the movie. So I'll give you that. It was shorter in the movie, too. Well, thank you, then. I'm, I guess I'm a master adaptor. I even made it scary, because giant squids are scary. And they cut that out of the movie, too. Well, that's the whole scary part, so I don't know what they were thinking. They did other scary things, like boring doing it scenes. Oh, that's that's only scary for the girl. Not usually. I mean, there was the, the woman who almost got raped probably was scared, but otherwise, not so scary. Because you bite them on the neck, and you have to be like, ha 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 ha. And this is why I sleep with women. Okay, weird. So, anyway, I think it's time to go, Dad. Yes, yes, it is time to go. I think, uh, also, because uh, tonight is the series finale of Battlestar Galactica, so we have to get ready to watch that. Ah, uh, whatever, I don't care. So. <laughs> Alright, everybody, uh, next time on Scapey Stories, um, something that will scare you, because it's, like, supernatural. <laughs> <sighs> Thanks, Scape, for that. And, you know, the show, we got some listener mail, but I just don't feel like reading it today. But you should, but you should, Dad. I just, no, I don't want to. I don't care. Well, they should still write into castinwax at gmail.com then, don't you think? <sighs> I guess. I. What's the point? Why? You know what? Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the last podcast. Dad! You cannot do that. I have to tell more stories. I've got lots of stories in mind, okay? Serious. Escape. <sighs> I just, maybe I'm... Just gonna leave the podcast then. Dad! You're gonna leave the podcast! Well, then you can be the host of the podcast, I guess. Well, well that doesn't sound so bad, but Dad, I. Oh, that's kind of cool, actually. I get to be the host of the podcast? What's the difference? Who cares? Will anybody know? Will anyone notice in the bleak world uh, that we live in? Well, I think they will because I'm <laughs> gonna be awesome on it. I will be like the kick assest host of the podcast ever. <laughs> so, that sounds like a 
pretty good idea. Fine, then just take it. Okay. <laughs> Everybody, uh, this is my podcast now. It's called Casting Max, featuring Scape, the, the best Scape. So I can't read, so I can't read your mail right now. But maybe next time I would get Frank Allen or Roy Sinjin to read the mail. Because Dad won't, won't be here, but I will be hosting. So <laughs> see you guys next time. Waxwork, China, and you'll see Waxwork, she's cheap and easy When I'm feeling good I put her on my laptop and go to town I never wanted Any other mother on the website Don't ever bother with the drive To keep my baby alive on my side don't worry, folks. There will be a next episode of Cast and Wax. We will see to it. And on that episode, on guard duty, Mr. Fahrenheit and Peace Blossom will interview the next applicant for the Earth Guard. I've seen her on the news. She's tall and built, stacked and strong. So you're going to have to, you know, rein yourself in. Just what exactly do you mean by that? Look, I know how it is with your type. And I'm just saying, let's keep this professional, all right? I don't want you to ask her anything, you know inappropriate. On debatatorium, we'll settle the issue of illegal drugs. I'm just making the point that illegal drugs make you do bad things. So therefore, they should continue to be illegal so you don't nail some chick and then get your no. girlfriend Cleo mad at you and then you don't get any. No, no, but what I'm saying is, do you think that drugs make you do bad things or do you think that people who do bad things also do drugs? Yes. Which one? Wait, what? Plus, since that's a Frank Allen show, that means, <laughs> scary story. So, for real. This time, not Watchmen. All this, plus historical facts, coming March 30th. To waxwork.com. 